Well, I'm kind of tired. I haven't uh, slept since yesterday. And uh, I spent all that long just working on what I want to do today. And tweaking, is that right? Tweaking it? And tweaking it. And the worship started and I just kind of forgot everything. Good thing I have got some notes. Bob Mumford used to say, you always want to bring notes in case the Spirit of the Lord doesn't show up. I guess I'm just going to have to trust the Spirit of the Lord a whole lot more even though I have notes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this day. We bless you. We worship you. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus, in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You ever notice when it said, Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that he didn't say in the names of? That's because they're one in him. They're one in the, they're one in their three separate persons. And the person of the Holy Spirit has been referred to a couple of times already. And the person of the Holy Spirit, I'm counting on a great deal right now. Hallelujah, that he would fill this room. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son. And the purpose of the Son is to glorify the Father. And the Father has his glory over the three in one. And through the purpose... You know, one of the things that um, in preparing for uh, Romans 12, 1, which says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, I went back and studied, and I'll probably refer to it. We've talked about it, Matthew 21 and 22, which is kind of a, you know, we were talking about Jesus as the lion and the lamb. I find it kind of interesting, may, may not have anything to it, but you know, Jesus was all man and all God. You know, one of the, I know people that don't believe in the Trinity say, well, how can the three be in one? And I would say, well, how can a white husband, a man leave his father and mother and be joined to the, his wife and the two shall be one? How can that happen? Amen. Well, the three are three in one, but they're three separate personalities, three separate persons. And I pray in about, uh, what do we got about? How many more days before Pentecost Sunday? When we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit? And we don't recognize the Holy Spirit as a person very often. He is a person. He is this in this room. The Bible says uh, in First John two twenty seven, it says, um, "You don't need that any person 
tells you what is what. Now we use teachers, but don't ever believe what is what through me. You know, because I'm just a man. And we have teachers. But you need not that any man should teach you. I mean, to show you what's what. Because the Spirit of God is upon you and has anointed you. And so you can discern what is good and what is evil. What is right and what is wrong. The Spirit is also called the Spirit of Truth. And you can discern what is the truth. Hallelujah. When we talk about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, we talk, we're talking about first and foremost, and let's go back to Matthew 22, where Jesus says at the, close to the ending of Matthew 22, when the lawyer tried to trip him up, the lawyer says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy spirit. You know, it's said several times. And you know what that means? That the number one thing, he says, all the commandments flow from these. And he says, and love thy neighbor as thyself. But even the love thy neighbor as thyself flows from the Father. You know, <laughs> What, one of the reasons, when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, one of the major reasons, reasons, that's another word that's translated logicos, reasons, one of the reasons we present our body is to get to know God. Now we know Him through His Word, but we also need, the Father seeketh such to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know when you say, I worship the Father, what you should mean, and what it should mean is that you are valuing, you value Him. And when you say, I value you, Heavenly Father, you're saying, I love you. you see, when you love someone, you value them. What, what are they worth to you? And when you love someone, and even the word praise, praise is taken from raise. Raise Him up. Lift him up. Magnify the name of the Lord. You're lifting him up and praising him. And, that, and by doing so, all of it is basically saying, I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. And so, you know, sometimes I just cut right through and get, get cut the chase, you know, and just start telling God, I love you, God. A thousand times I love you. I love you more than anything. He is, if you ever really get close to God, and I'm not saying any of you haven't, but if you've ever really got close in your consciousness with God, you find out that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is the most lovable thing in existence. I don't mean be calling God a thing. But I don't know what else to call him in order to relay this. He is the most lovable being, person. He is so lovable, it's, 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 it's indescribable. You know, we talk about grace as being uh, 
irresistible. God is irresistible. How else can he say, how else can Jesus even say in um, Luke the ninth chapter, he says, if you will follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And then it goes on to say, and he that would save his life shall lose it. Shall, he that would save his life shall lose it. And he that would lose his life shall save it. Literal translation where it says, he that would, in the King James, in the other translations it says, he that would desire to lose his life shall, shall find it. Now, now you see the difference between the two? It's not only that you're willing to do it, you want to do it. You want to do it. One of the, one of the things that's required as I have embarked on this endeavor to get to know the Lord better and better and better is desire. If, if, you've, if you don't have a desire to get to know God in a very intimate way, you won't ever do it. But you have to desire because when you get, begin to desire, you'll find out that he is very desirable. And so is the Son, and so is the Holy Spirit. He that would desire to save his life shall find, I mean, to, to lose his life shall find it. He that would desire to save his life shall lose it. You understand what it's like? Take up my cross and follow me. So there is so much of it that's in desire. Desire is what drives us. God desires you. When Jesus, Jesus came to earth, he says, I'm the reflection of the Father. Remember when Philip said, show us the Father. You know, I talk a lot about Matthew 21 and 22 as a uh, pattern, if you would, of preparation to, for the Lord to present himself. Matthew 21 and 22 was talking about uh, Palm Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday, a week before the crucifixion. In Matthew 20, 21 and 22, it's Jesus going before as the Lamb of God and being examined by all the religious order to see if he was a fit Lamb of God. They didn't even know that they were doing it. And so one of the things you know we, we, we've been talking about is the lion and the lamb. So Jesus is our example of being a lion and a lamb. When he goes into Jerusalem on a donkey, he's the lamb. When he takes that whip and beats the money changers out of the temple, he's the lion. So Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He is also our example. And God says before the foundation of the world, before this world existed, he, God, has predestined you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. We are predestined before the world began when your members was yet in his book, according to Psalm 139. Jesus 
says, follow me. Jesus says, it's you, God the Father says, you have been predestined to be like Jesus. So when you see what happens in Matthew 21 and 22, pretty, pretty long chapters, there's several prophecies, there's several uh, scriptures that are referenced to. All of it was a preparation to go to the cross. And so if we are going to be like the lamb, then we have to prepare ourselves. We talked about presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. That's two, two roles you play. One is the priest. One is the sacrifice. And so Jesus did the same thing. Jesus was the priest. If you read Hebrews, he was everything. He was the priest. He was the furniture. Furniture, we think of, you know, couches and chairs. And furniture is all the things that's inside the holy temple, the holy place. He's the, he's the veil. <laughs> he was split in two. He's the, the incense. He's the worship. He's the priest. You know what's interesting, and if you if you ever watch, get a chance to watch Dick Rubin. He's a Messianic Jew, and he preaches about the tabernacle of, of Moses, and he preaches about how the priest would go into the holy of holies, and so he was the tabernacle of Moses. So Jesus was the tabernacle of Moses. He was the the veil. He was the the uh, ark of the covenant in the back. Put up Psalm 141 for, we'll read a couple of verses. Just, we're just going to read a couple of verses. Psalm 141, 141. We'll start with the first verse. Let me show you something. Lord, I cry unto you, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice. When I cry unto you, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. See, Jesus, it, it, not only did incense was understood in the Old Testament that it was represented as praise to God, so is our prayer in the New Testament. Our prayer is related to incense. I've made reference to this. God says well, our prayers are bottled in heaven. Our praise and our prayer. And they have a fragrance. Because this is God smells our, our fragrance. Well, it, this says, let our prayer be as incense. And it says, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And that, the reason for that is because when uh, the evening sacrifice, is when the evening sacrifice was prim- done in, in, uh, in the worship or in the temple, or in the tabernacle of Moses, the priest would take this censer full of red-hot coals, and he would put incense on it, and the fragrance would waft up, and he would pass through the veil, which is several inches thick and solid. And Dick Rubin says the only way he could get through it and into the Holy of Holies 
was to pass through it supernaturally. And he can't lift it up. He can't go around because he's holding these coals of incense and he holds them above his head like this. And they're like our prayers and praise that are going before God. Why do we raise our hands in church? There's so many reasons you could come up with. It's the universal sign of surrender. I surrender all. It's, it's like daddy, pick me up. But what it really means is like lifting the incense to God so that we could pass into the presence of God. Well, that's not the only thing. We pass into the presence of God. Ephesians 2.18 It says, in talking about Jew and Gentile, it says, we both have access by one Spirit into the Father. The Holy Spirit gives us, being in us and of us and through us, gives us access unto the Father. The blood of Jesus Christ gives us access to the Father. Praise and worship and thanksgiving gives us access. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with faith, gives us access into the Father. Recognizing that he extends the scepter to us, that the Father said, Come. Jesus says, Come. I love the things. The sentences where Jesus, or not sentences, but the verses where Jesus has come. When he came, when, when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And as Jesus walks off, two of John the Baptist's disciples follow him. And they're following him. And he goes, You want something? My, my uh, paraphrase. They said, Master, where do you live? Where do you live? That's an unusual kind of statement. Where do you live? And Jesus says, come and see. You know, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. The thing that makes everything beautiful in heaven is Jesus and God, the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's what makes heaven, heaven. But when you get up there, you realize, we talked about how our sin, Adam's sin, read about it in Hebrews, it goes all the way up to the very throne of God. That's how Adam's sin defiled the earth, all the way up to the very throne of God. Well, it was no small. But the one thing about Jesus Christ is he cleansed everything. When he gets to heaven, remember in, when we preached on Pentecost, oh no, Resurrection Sunday, and when we preached and said, Matthew 20, uh, excuse me, Psalm 24, where it says, open up, Open up your gates and be lifted up, your everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. And we talk about how Jesus brought all those that had died in faith and brought them with him. 
And they shouted, open up. Your gates be lifted up. And the king of glory shall come in. And so we think in terms of Matthew 24. The, the, the church, the believers the, that died looking for the Messiah to come. Went with him. And they said, open up your gates and be lifted up. But you know something? What we don't say sometimes or don't think of sometimes is that when Jesus entered into the gates, he carried his own blood with him. And with his blood, it says he sprinkled the furniture or the utensils of worship in heaven. First of all, if you read Hebrews, you find out that the tabernacle of Moses it was designed after a pattern of a tabernacle that existed in heaven. And so he would come in, he came with his own blood, can you imagine? And sprinkled his blood and cleansed it all. That the sin of man went all the way up to there. And so the blood is powerful. But when we come to God in prayer, we also come with repentance. Because it's like Isaiah said, when he was in the presence of God, all he could think about is, woe, I am undone. Well, you know, people say, you know, know the name of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah's horse? It was Ismi. Woe, Ismi. Woe is me. I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And that's when the angel put a hot coal on his mouth and purged him of his sin. So all of this is working for us. The blood of Jesus Christ. But we also have to come before his presence with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So what happens is God has provided for us. You know, I don't think it's as much for God as it is for us. Because we, we need to see that we are worthy because Jesus, while I was yet sin, Christ died for me, a yet sinner. And because his right, he was made sin with my sin, I made the righteousness of God. And so I can go into the very throne room of God. You know, one of the things it says in the, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, I was just thinking, I got this whole thing that kind of got ruined by Dr. B's prophecy. And he said, you take the, uh, the why off of your and what's left is our I'm like, I knew somebody was going to say that, Lord. I just knew it. Because I got all this listing. You know where it says, Our Father? Our Father? It's called the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Do you, um, Dr. Larry Lee, I think that's his name. Pastor of a mega church in Dallas. Came out with this... Um, uh, mission. He came out with this mission. And he took the scriptures that says uh, where 
Jesus went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, and he's praying and sweat, great drops. He goes back to Peter, James, and John, and they're sleeping. And Jesus says, could you not pray with me one hour? And he goes back and prays again. And they're still sleeping. Could you not pray with me? And Dr. Larry Lee started this program, this mission, that every believer would pray an hour a day. I saw some scene recently where a Muslim had laid down his prayer, prayer blanket and he was praying. And somebody come along and says, we got to get going here. He says, if I don't have, uh, believe me, I'm not pro-Muslim by saying this. But when, you know, when Lazarus and the rich man, when Lazarus was so poor and he had sores all over his body, the dogs would come and lick the sores. I've even heard a whole sermon on that. And basically what it was saying is the dogs, you know, now we may think dogs lick sores. But it was like the dogs, it was meant to look like the dogs are having compassion on Lazarus. The parable of Lazarus. And Jesus is pointing out the dogs is going to bring accusation against us. Because the dogs care more about the hurt, hurting and the dying, than we do. Just an exhortation or a challenge. Hello? Where was I anyway? Talking about dogs. Got sidetracked. Who? Pray for an hour. Pray for an hour. And the Muslim says, we ain't, the guy says, you ain't got time for this. We ain't got time for this. And the Muslim says, if I don't have time for God, then I won't have time for anything else. I thought to myself, wow. I just got rebuked by a Muslim. We don't have time for God. You see, I, get, I, I, I suddenly am prophetic. I don't want to be negative, but the truth of the matter is, if you don't have time for God, then you're not going to have time for anything else. I'm not saying you're going to die. I'm just saying all the wasted, wasted days and wasted nights. Amen. 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 If you don't have to, so pray with me one hour. And he took the Lord's prayer, and he said, when. Jesus spoke, which makes so much sense to me, although I've never verified this. All right. When Jesus taught, like in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 6 is one place where the Lord's Prayer is. And when Jesus taught, when he says, in this like manner, pray this, that was understood that that's not a pattern to follow, it's an outline to follow. So what's the difference? The difference is every single word on there has more to say. If you, an outline just gives you one beginning and then you think about that. 
You, you follow me? This, maybe this will be a little closer. When we say our Father, remember last week I said, how many of you caught the most selfish thing in the whole world you can say is the first two words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. Pastor, you just said that was selfish. Ah, One translation says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. One translation says, he is a new self. If we're in Christ, we are new creations. And we should be very selfish to the things of God. And the things of God starts off with, he's my father. Remember when you have kids, one says, this is my dad. No, he's my dad. No, he's my dad. No, he's my dad. He is my father, but he's also our father. He's your father. But you can have that. You can be selfish. You start off with a selfish thing. He's not just got a list of things that you can find in God's word. This, you know what opened this up to me? Not that I didn't know that before, but I thought it was just, you know, rhetoric, you know, whatever you, something you say. Our Father. It hit me one time. I'd just been in the presence of the Lord. And I come out and I was re- learning the words to blessed assurance. You know, Franny Cros- Crosby wrote that. They call her Fanny for short. Blind lady. And she would say this. Blessed assurance. Jesus is my I got I, I, I got that far. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and I just went, bam, cray cray. <sighs> crazy. I just went crazy. In in my office, I just and I just wept and wept and wept. I couldn't get past Jesus is mine. Oceans. Some of you know the song Oceans? One of the gals from Hillsong. Beautiful, beautiful song. Talking about walking on the water. You know, oceans. And she says in that, uh, that Jesus, I am yours and he is mine. Our father. My father. He's my father. I just wrote down a a few of the things that we call God and we just don't really appreciate this. My Father, my Savior, my Messiah. He's my Messiah. He's my Lord. He's my King. He's my healer. And He's my doctor. He's my captain. This is one of my favorite ones. Do you know we're an army? We are supposed to be an army. It says that in Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are an army. And as an army, we have 
a captain, and his name is Jesus. He's our captain. I I love the story of Joshua coming up on the angel, and he doesn't know it's an angel. And Joshua says, are you on my side or my enemy's side? Because he's got a sword out. And the angel says, I'm, a, I'm neither on their side or your side. I'm on the side of God. Now you better get it right. You think you're, whose side are you on? As Joshua later said, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He's my king, my healer, and I love that, my captain. He's my shepherd. He's my creator. He's my high tower. Talks about God as being our high tower. You know what? The name of the Lord is a high tower for us. And they that need him can run into it and find safety. Run into the name of the Lord. He is my tower. He's my strength. He's my all-sufficient one. He's my song. Hallelujah. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save you and he will rejoice over you with joy. He will joy and rejoice over you with singing. The Lord thy God sings over you. He is my song. We sing Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctification. Okay, got a few more. He's my dwelling place. My dwelling place. The disciples are following him. Come and see. You know, I, <clears throat> I was thinking about this. And for you guys that are a lot older than I am, which is like what? Four of you? But this is going to be, I hate it when I say something and somebody says, oh, that's before my time. And I always say, have you ever heard this song? Camp Town Races Five by Long. Do da, do da. I mean, that's for, that's for everybody's time. What's that got to do with it? Well, this was before my time. I actually saw this special one time on MGM special. And there was this actor in the 20s, 1920s, and 30s. And then she just quit like that. And she was in a, uh, all by herself. She was in a league all by herself. No one was anything like her. And she came on the scene, and her name was Greta Garbo. How many of you heard of Greta Garbo? Wow. (laughs) It was four years time. She was an amazing, she's Swedish, and she was an amazing actress. 
And there's this scene that they show. And it's one of the most sensual scenes that has ever been in movies. And neither one of them take off a thing of clothing and they're totally clothed. I don't even know who the guy's name was, but he's sitting there in his, you know, his house. I mean, he's a king, if I remember correctly. And so Greta Garbo does this very long scene where she walks around his room and touches his things up on the shelf and looks at them and walks very slowly. And she just looks and looks and looks. We're talking about a long time. So I remember seeing this 60 years ago. And it's just like really romantic. And yet they don't even touch each other and they're fully clothed and they don't say anything. She just touches everything in the room and she looks at it in a way that you know she is conveying I love you to the man and I want to get to touch everything that's of yours because I can know more and more and more about you. And it's, uh, it's one of the scenes in Hollywood that just, it's never been done after that, and before for that matter. See, God wants to have a romantic relationship with us. Hello? God, you, you are unique to God. He loves you as if he gave his son only for you. He died, Jesus died as if he died only for you. You are his favorite. Remember, grace means uh, undeserved favoritism. I don't know how many times I've talked to people over the years who have had some very bad things happen to them. Christians and non-Christians. And they would say, I don't, I don't deserve this. God really let me down. And I always say the same thing to them, and this is totally from the heart. I am not going to try to interfere with your relationship with God. But I have to say that the last thing in the world that I want from God is what I deserve. I don't, I've been a pastor for 41 and a half years. Before that, I worked for Teen Challenge for a couple of years. And you could take all the good things I've ever done and they don't even compare to what I've done. It's like Jesus, you know the song was says, uh, his name, talking about Jesus' name. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You know? 
The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. There's a line in there that says, He didn't want heaven without us. Do you see that? God didn't want heaven without us. So He brought heaven down. My sin was great. His love was greater. You know, that's the words of the song. My sin was great. But his righteous blood, his righteousness was greater. And his grace abounds to me. And it's not the last thing in the world I want is what I deserve. Hallelujah. He doesn't give me what I deserve. Uh, You know, Dr. B said this one time. Grace is when God gives you something that you don't deserve. Kara too is exceeding highly favored grace. That's even more. And you don't deserve that either. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. Grace is when he gives you something you don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. I said that one time to a guy who had lost his phone, his home burned down, and he had lost some loved ones. He says, I didn't deserve that. He wasn't a Christian. And I said, well, I'm not going to say whether you did or not. I'm just going to say the last thing in the world that I want from God is what I deserve. And he got this look and he says, you know, you're right. I I wasn't trying to blast him for it. I was just talking about me. Grace. I can go into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ because God's grace had been extended to me. So Jesus is walking and the disciples are following him. And he says, come and see. Where do you dwell? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. Like Greta Garbo, they just, (laughs) either they were just not ready to answer or they really understood something that where he dwells is who he is. Hallelujah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and faints for your courts. And my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your presence is far better to me than gold. Or living some of my entire life somewhere else. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in your fold than to take my fate upon myself. It's like the prodigal son. Even the hired men in my father's house has it better than I do. Where do you dwell? Come and see. I love it when he says to, um, in John 21, when he says, the, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Has some unresolved uh, issues with Christ. Yeah, it was a good walk. It was a good, it was a good, good, 
time while we had it, but now it's over. Jesus is crucified, and he's raised from the dead, and I'm going to go back to fishing. They fish all night, catch nothing. They're on their way in. The Lord comes on the beach, and the Lord says, "Uh, Have you any meat? Have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught a thing. He said, well, cast over on the other side your boat right now. And all of a sudden they're thinking, this seems funny to me. So they cast, and it's so full that they, you know, they had to pull it ashore and then finish pulling it in. But as soon as they saw that it was full, and one of the disciples says, it's the Lord. Because you couldn't recognize him at that time. And Peter jumped in the water and he swam to the... And he had a little coal thing cooking on the thing. And he says to the disciples, come and dine. Come and dine. He gives the invitation. The Holy Spirit gives you the invitation. I have purchased for you the price so that you can love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And you can only love him to the degree that you recognize and understand and have encountered his love for you. He loved you with all his heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. When I told you one time I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart, body, soul, and spirit. But you know I can never, ever love you more than you love me. Because you gave your son to die for me. Hallelujah. Come and dine. The master says come and dine. When I was growing up, once in a while we'd go to church. Maybe two or three times a year. We had a very consistent attendance. Southern Baptist Church. And they nearly always, you know, well, it's kind of a toss-up between just as I am, come just as you are, or what I heard more than any other was, uh, how's this song go? I won't hurt, hurt it 150 times. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me Earnestly, tenderly Jesus is calling Calling, oh sinner Come home, come home Come home Ye who are willing Come home Come, come to the table. Come and dine. I love those verses that Jesus says, come. Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your soul. Timothy Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, he says, well, let's look at this. 
First Timothy 4, verse 13 and 14. First Timothy 4, 13 and 14. <clears throat> Maybe we're going to go further. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the laying on of, by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Now notice what this next verse says. Meditate upon these things. That word meditate is the Greek word meliteo. Do you know what meliteo means? If you heard me talk about it, you know that one of the definitions is imagine. Not imagine a vain thing, but imagine what God has said. And he says, meditate on these things. On what things? Neglect not the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That means hook, line, and sinker. It means all in. Somebody says, you know, he doubled down. It's a figure of speech like, you know, he doubled. He, he not, he's not apologizing for anything. He's going to double down. But to give thyself holy, that isn't double downing. That's all in, bro. Holy to them. Give thyself holy completely to them that your profiting may appear to all. Meditate. One of the words is imagine. Another one is to, if you look up in a, a dictionary, it will say, it's the Greek word, maliteo. Sounds just like it, spells just like it sounds. Or the way I made it sound. And it says, to care a lot for. To care a lot. Or to care for. Wow. Bible says, be careful for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, let your request. No, no, what that nothing means of the world. Because there's one care that we have. One care that we have. And that's the things of the Lord. And he says, neglect not the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Imagine you and your gift being used of God in a mighty way. Imagine the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit. Imagine right now that the Holy Ghost is right in here. Jesus says, if two or more, I am in the midst. The Holy Ghost is in us and wants to work through us. And we meditate upon these things and we give ourselves completely to them. Hallelujah. Meditate. All right, now take the two, two words, two definitions, to care for intently. Meditate and to imagine. Not to imagine a vain thing, but to imagine God working in your life. Neglect not the gift. All right, now why did I bring that up? Because in Matthew 11, I think it is, 
Matthew 11, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, stop caring about the world and start caring about God. I mean, I just proved it right there. Hallelujah. So when it says to love the Lord thy God, this is a serious matter. It starts off by you going into the presence of God and loving Him. I've got, like I said, by His name, through His name, through His blood, by His Spirit, by the Word. I go into worship Him, praise the King, the mighty King, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is God. He is my creator. He has made me. So I honor him and praise him. But when I get through all that, sometimes I just cut through all that right to the finish and say, God, I love you. I I worship you because I love you. I praise you because I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. Lord, I just love you. you You can get to where you just don't want to leave. One hour. And remember how this hour started? As an outline. My father. Our father. So you could, you need, it's one thing to read in the word the truth. And the truth shall set you free. It's another thing to experience it in the presence of God. I saw a movie one time where this person had taken this new drug that would enable them to access their mind 100%. And so this person's gone through it and all of a sudden she's got to get to a phone. She calls her mother up. And she says, I have just... Mother, I just want to thank you for all the thousands of kisses that you gave me when I was a baby. And she remembered, that's my favorite part of the whole movie. She remembered how much her mother loved her when she was a baby. Thousands of kisses. How you told me that you loved me thousands of times. And God's how much the Father loves us. Thousands of kisses. I don't know if you've had babies or not, but there's just something about you have to kiss them. (laughs) And I've kissed my babies all over their face, you know, and neck, nibble on their neck, and I just can't get enough. I want to love them so much. God wants that kind of a relationship with us. Hello? That you go and love him and love him and love him with a pure heart, with a pure heart, fervently being born again. You are a new creation. You are a new being. And this new being should be in love with God. Is that so cool? All right, now, the bad stuff is coming. 
Bible says, yeah, I always wondered, God, why would you have to plead, beg your children to present their bodies a living sacrifice? Because it comes to the next thing. And the next thing is, God says, I'm really enjoying this, but I want you to go back to earth. Because I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And I want you to bring my love, take my love to this world. I kind of like it up here. No, now you got to go. According to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, just as Jesus left heaven and suffered outside of heaven, outside the gate, then we must go and suffer outside the gate. How can we do this? When you spend time with God and you get to know Him, then you can be like Him. You know, I, I really have had time in the presence of God where God showed me the thousands of kisses that my parents gave me when I was a baby that I never don't even remember. And it showed me things that I had with my father that I didn't really know I had. I always thought my father was he, he was good, he was a provider. I, th- I think he loved us, but he wasn't an affectionate guy. He wasn't the guy to talk about it. And yet God showed me how much my father loved me. And I didn't even know it. Much more than I th- thought. Hallelujah. And some of us may not have had this great of a father. But we do now. Our Heavenly Father. And He loves us like a baby where He kisses us and loves us. A thousand times. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was singing a song. I told you about it. It's, one of, it's really one of my favorite songs. And it was by Ted Sandquist. And I didn't remember it for a while. I've, I've had a little help from people. But I also have uh, learned it and got, got a readout on my computer. Excuse me, my Apple. It's not a computer. Brother. Some of you haven't seen the commercial where the gals. What are you doing on your computer? What's a computer? And I'm like, this is a computer. I don't care what Apple says. Hallelujah. I was, now what did I learn on my computer? I got sidetracked there. Ted Sanquist, thank you. In his first verse, first line of the first verse, is, I will make my life a psalm for you. I will fill my lips from the cup of truth. King of life, I choose to walk your way. You alone are worthy of my days. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, kind of like patting myself on the back a little bit, because 
I've been in the presence of the Lord. And I said, Lord, I can't wait to get back there and tell the Lord, I will make my life a song for you. Psalm, it's a song. A psalm for you. And so I get all excited about, I will make my life a psalm for you. I will, and I'm so blessed. And it's a good song. I'm not, it's a great song. It's beautiful. So I'm getting ready to go back and say, Lord, I will make my life. And he says, I, I already did. I said, what? What do you mean, Lord? For you are my poems, my songs that I have created. You are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So before you can make your life a psalm for me, you need to understand that I already did make your life a psalm for me. Now I just want you to be it. Be Call those things which be not as though they were. Hello? Now I sing, Thank you, Lord, for making my life a psalm for you. God's workmanship. It's the Greek word, poema. And if you looked it up in the Bible dictionary, you would see that we get our word poems from that word poema. Poems. I am a poem of God. God made me a poem in Jesus Christ. He is my creator. He is my, my uh, potter, and I am the clay. Hello? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's close our eyes for a minute and just thank the Lord for loving us. Thank the Lord. I know that the only thing that makes me in any way, shape, or form successful is because God loves me. And that's, that's, I do not draw. It's like another Ted Sandquist song. He said, uh, Let not my flesh glory in your presence. Be silent now, my soul before the throne and let my spirit rise as sweetest incense as I worship you alone. Hallelujah. Can you just say, let not my flesh glory in your presence. Lord, I don't want my flesh to glory in your presence. I only want to glory in what you have glorified. You have made me. You have made all of us your workmanship, your poems. And now, Lord, I just want to be that poem that you have made. 